Welcome back to the Daniel Muggleton Podcast. It's me, I'm Daniel Muggleton. I'm the guy kicking off this week's ep with a little announcement. A little announcement, not a big announcement, a minuscule announcement. The podcast will now come out on Tuesdays rather than Mondays, just like this one. This is the first one at the new time slot coming out Tuesday, Sydney time. I think I set it to 6 a.m. I don't fucking know. Is anyone up then? Does anyone want this then? Does anyone want to start their day with this? I don't know. All power to you. But yes, because of my touring schedule, I have found my ability to find time on a Sunday to get this thing sorted because I like to record it kind of as close to release as possible. I don't record these in advance so they can stay topical, blah, 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 blah. You don't need to know why. You just need to know that I feel like I can't be consistent. I'm often traveling on a Sunday. I just came back from the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. I just did the last show at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. Meant I couldn't record an episode yesterday. And it's just going to keep happening, especially as I go international in June for my first ever UK tour. Woohoo! Already 150 tickets sold. My God, I'm so stoked with that. But. We need to sell significantly more tickets to cover the airfare. So if you could let any British mates slash Australians currently living in the UK know, that would be outstanding. Uh, but yes, it will now be Tuesdays that we release a solo app. As I said, I'm still trying to get an interview a week as well uh, while I'm doing the comedy festivals here in Sydney and in Perth. So I'll keep those coming uh yeah that's it that was the that was the announced stuff um let's just get into this week's set what you're going to hear about we got five more things that happened at the melbourne international comedy festival 2023 uh we talk about the death of barry humphreys and a little bit of twitter blue uh verification on twitter has become an absolute farce due to old mate elon musk and i want to talk about celebrities reacting to it uh oh and some bad advice and some bad advice after the uh look absolutely zero response to last segment <laughs> the last time we did bad advice there was absolutely no response to that but i'm pressing on because i assume you must enjoy it so another bad advice segment talking jet lagged children but before we get there you know who it is it's verticoli All right, five more things that happened at the 2023 Melbourne International Comedy Festival. Number one, I had to shit in my hotel lobby twice because I didn't trust myself to make it up to the room. Bang, right off the top. <laughs> Some people would ease into that one. It'd be like a Letterman style list, you know, where you kind of go up in ascending level of gravity. But no, let's fucking kick it off right there. Yep, twice. I tweeted about this a while ago. As a touring comedian, 50%, I'm going to say 50% of my shits are bathroom insecure. I don't know when the next bathroom is going to appear. Obviously, the only genuine home base you have is your hotel. Secondary home base is your venue, but some of them have green rooms, which are kind of next to other performers, which you should not, you know, be, don't be an animal. That's for number ones only. But uh, yep, twice this Melbourne International Comedy Festival I found myself needing to go to the bathroom 
and when I was on my way back to the hotel and twice I was like, look, the elevator takes roughly 17 seconds. Uh, this Guzman and Gomez that I had at 3 a.m. last night while already inside my hotel bed, judging by the flecks of coriander that are still on the sheets. Uh, I can't trust it. I can't trust it to wait that long. So in the lobby, straight in the lobby, uh, and like a grown-up, I used the side entrance. There were two entrances to this hotel lobby. There was like the shifty alleyway entrance and the main entrance next to reception. And I was like, straight down the side. Thank you, sir. In the back, off we go. Crisis averted. Did not shit myself. However, that would be quite a good addition to the five things that happened segment. Number two. Uh, I ate a Domino's pizza and could not tell you what flavor it was. <laughs> um, Domino's is worldwide, right? Yeah, definitely. I've seen Domino's everywhere. Like, obviously, you try and avoid it as much as you can. Uh, Domino's doesn't as much serve pizza as uh, circles, uh, various, variously designed circles. I wouldn't say flavor, just designed. But yeah, I was at the, um, the Exford after party. Uh, the Exford is uh, one of the kind of iconic venues of the festival. Basically, for the people who get shut out of the main part of the Melbourne International Comedy Festival, you end up at the Exford. Um, there's a lot of shows there. There's the after party there hosted by Chris Franklin. And this was kind of like the after-after party for all the people who work there and all the comedians at the festival. Uh, heaps of people go. It's like a, such a bizarre mix of just professional touring stand-ups from everywhere but like none of the kind of enthusiastic festival-centric people, like the, like the staff or the organizers or the, the young comedians with hope in their eyes. You know, you don't really find them there. Um, so I go there every year, obviously. They do karaoke. It's a hell of a thing. I will never tell you what happens there because that is the code. But uh, they serve pizza. They do a little pizza and it's Domino's every year and they, they get stacks of it. And I had a crack at a couple of slices this year that seemed to be the same topping, but I, I, you know, gun in my head, I don't know. Because these were like big slices. Each slice was like a quarter of a pizza. And I was eating them. And I couldn't, I could not tell you what flavor it was. Even looking at it, I tried to examine it and be like, there seems to be meat. That seems to be almost like a cheese thing. I was, I was watching another person. It was um, Andrew Hamilton, actually, who just, just uh, got a nomination for Best Newcomer for his show about going to prison, which was a ripper. Highly recommend that if you're going to any other festivals around Australia. I think he's doing it at Sydney at least. Um, yeah, we were like openly discussing it, being like, I could not tell you what this is. Like, it doesn't really taste like anything, but it also doesn't taste like nothing, but it's so close to nothing. Like, it's mainly a texture even though there are multiple toppings on the pizza. Yeah, it was honestly baffling. Like, it's like that thing. I forget who observed this. I forget who told me, but it's just like, regardless of what you put on a Subway sandwich, it just tastes the same. Like, it's amazing the number of different combinations they offer, but the end result is just, the, it's, the sa it's the same. <laughs> it's invariably the same. So yeah, I wanted to I wanted to tell you I ate almost half of a pizza, and if my parents' life was on the line for me to tell you what flavor it was, even looking at a menu to try and match it up, I would have had no hope. Number three, 
Uh, I got my first ever, in a significant turnaround for the food segment of this list, I got my first ever free sandwich. Uh, for those of you who don't follow me on Instagram, at Dan Muggleton, I tend to get around eating sandwiches during comedy festivals. It's just, it's a very repetitive thing. You know, you just kind of in a new city, you just do your show every day. You kind of get trapped in like weird habits that you're not committed to. Like, embarrassingly, this festival, I was just staying near a subway and I just needed food that I could eat quickly, that I could trick myself into thinking contained vegetables. And like, I had Subway like four times. Subway is terrible, as I clearly demonstrated with the last thing. And I just, you just get trapped in it. So what I try and do is go and find like the best sandwiches in each Australian city. Uh, when I'm overseas, I plan on doing the same thing. So UK, if you know any good spots, let me know. Um, and it just, it just breaks up your day. Like it just gives you kind of like a mission for you to do and you eat it, you post it. Like I don't, I don't do like any review or any of that shit. I'm just like, they're all great. <laughs> it's a fucking sandwich. Like I, I like it. Um, so I just post the thing about it. And I had a guy who happened to see my show last year. Uh, his name is Gino. He reached out. He owns uh, Sparrow's Cheese Steaks. Sparrow's Cheese Steaks in Melbourne. It's, uh, it operates out of the Catfish where there's a great comedy night. Um, and also has a food truck. And he was just like, yeah, man, come try one. And I, I went on the Saturday after that Exford party when my hangover uh, required intervention only capable by a cheesesteak. And he was like, yeah, uh, let me know when you're coming. I was like, I'm coming in 15 minutes. He's like, fuck, I'm not there. One sec, I'll call the guy. And I got in there and the guy's like, yeah, what do you want? You're a mate of Gino's. Apparently he's hooking you up. And I was like, that's so nice. I didn't, I felt, I felt bad. Like I felt like I should have, somehow promoted it better but i don't know how to take selfies well you know you know some people can just do it like i actually got so schooled by my tech at the festival like we got a selfie together because she wanted to get one she wore a tracksuit and last night it was really nice of her zara she's awesome and then she was like let's do a 0.5 and i was like what's a 0.5 and she's like oh you flip the camera back around so it's not selfie mode anymore and you switch the zoom to 0.5 and then you hit like the volume button to take the picture and it takes like a really good selfie. You just can't see it before you do it. And I was just like, how old can a guy feel? <laughs> it's a fucking phone to take photo, like just taking a photo of yourself on a phone and like somehow I've missed this technological leap of the 0.5 zoom photo. Uh, anyway, so... Um, Thank you, Zara, for making me feel old. Thank you, Gino, for the free cheesesteak. I got the bacon and bourbon. It was absolutely brilliant. Uh, and yeah, if, if you know any sandwich places, like I'm in, I'm in Sydney now, which is my hometown, but I'm always, always open to new suggestions. Uh, going to Perth in a minute. And then in the UK after that, where let's be honest, sandwiches generally come as part of a meal deal at a Tesco. But hey, like maybe... Maybe every now and again, I'll be able to find something good. I'm doing like 10 different cities in the UK. So hopefully one of them has a banging sandwich shop and I will happily go there and pay. And before you think I'm a cheap piece of shit, obviously tipped out the staff at uh, Gino's Cheese Steak Place and I'm going to send him a t-shirt. So fucking chill. Uh, number four, I added a free, it's not a free, Jesus. I'm, go I'm getting too excited. I added an extra show an extra show at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival due to demand. 
Uh, I was selling very well. I thought I was going to add one in the third week and then my, ta- my sales in the third week took a fucking nosedive. But the final week, most shows were pretty much sold out or like within 10 tickets of selling out. So I was like, hey, I'll chuck on an extra show right after my show on Saturday night. Doing the double, 9 p.m. and 10.30 p.m. Not a lot of downtime. Let's do it. The festival even got behind it. They were like, hey, this guy's out an extra show if you want to check it out. And then... <laughs> No one can like look not no one. That that'd be that'd be incorrect. It's just that, you know, social media is such a fucking bragging platform. I think it's important to be honest sometimes. Share your losses. This wasn't a loss, but fuck me, it was a draw. Uh so I added the extra show. My venue has 80 seats in it. You can squeeze a couple more on the door, but 80 seats is the official capacity. Uh that show that night sold out um, online at 76, but like there's a bunch of sales on the door. Uh, the extra show, when I went into the first show, had sold four tickets. <laughs> so I don't know if you guys are mathematical people or anything, but 76 plus four equals 80, which would have been one sold out show. And the sold out show was awesome. Great crowd, great fun. And then I had literally 10 minutes of downtime because we started late. And then I had to do the exact same show in the exact same room to exactly one-eighth of the people. I think there was about maybe 12 to 15 ended up in the room because a few comedians came down on their passes or whatever. But yes, it was easily the most unnecessary extra show of all time. When will I learn? Just take the fucking win, Dan, for the love of God. Number five, uh, Dane Simpson spent an entire industry party lying about me getting signed by an agent. (laughs) Uh, As I'm sure you guys have realized, Dane Simpson and I are very good friends, and uh, he thought it would be fun uh, considering how hard I hitched my wagon to the whole I'm independent, I did this all myself, blah, 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 which I do. Uh, if I went around, well, sorry, not if I went around, if he went around telling a, a party that was full of industry and comedians that I signed with one of Australia's biggest agents, who was at the party? I think that was why. It was like double jeopardy. Double jeopardy for Dane on this one. Um, but obviously, A, very funny prank. Good work, Dane. Uh, B, not true, just in case anyone hears this rumor. But for me, the kicker was that I was like, that's a funny thing to do. Uh, I think he kind of leveled with most of the comedians he told at some point throughout the evening. You know, he's not, he's not that sneaky. But I did bump into a UK comic who was at that party at the airport today flying back. And he was like, man, congratulations. I heard you signed with him. And I was like, ah, for fuck's sake. <laughs> so, you know, good rumor spreading by old mate Dane Simpson. Uh, they were five more things that happened. And yeah, just, you know, quickly, thanks to everybody who came down. It was the most tickets ever sold at Melbourne. Uh, the shows went really well. I had a really lovely time. I ate some very fantastic sandwiches uh, and I didn't even pay for one of them. So it was very cool. It's very nice. I'm very chuffed. I'm very chuffed when anybody uh, would equate, you know, the stupid shit that I do for a living for the cold hard value of a sandwich. Uh, with fries, cider fries, hot sauce. It was good stuff. 
it was good stuff. All right. We'll take a quick break and then be back with the death of Barry Humphreys. All right. So for the international listeners, the name Barry Humphreys might not mean that much to you. Uh, Barry Humphreys was one of Australia's most decorated and celebrated comedians, had a huge amount of success in Australia and in the UK as well, especially uh, he played characters, most famously Dame Edna Everidge and also Sir Les Patterson, uh, in addition to, you know, doing stuff as himself as well. Um, look, I'll be honest, he's not a hugely influential figure. Uh, in my life as a comedian, like he does characters, which is not something I really do, uh, but invariably funny. Like you, you see clips, they come up, he's doing funny things in character uh, and he died on the final Saturday of the Melbourne International Comedy Festival, which uh, somewhat ironically is the day that they give out the awards for best show and best newcomer, all the kind of, the awards ceremony is on that day. There we go. That's a quicker way to get there. Um, the best show award was colloquially known as the Barry. Uh, that's what it's always been called um, until I think it was, I think what? It was three years ago? No, it must have been just before COVID. I think it was just before COVID. It was maybe 2019 uh, when it was just renamed to the, you know, incredibly colloquial most outstanding show award, I believe or the Best Show Award, something like that. Basically, they got rid of his name. And the reason that happened was because uh, he made some transphobic remarks. I don't know if these were live or in an interview uh, that was then transcribed. I feel like, as always, with anything kind of cancelly, it's the transcription that really that really gets you, gets you going there. Um, so he said... Uh, I, I'm not, I'm not doing this as like a research take. So just bear with me. Um, I think he said that it was a fad and I think there was a suggestion that it was mutilation. Like, I think that was the general idea, uh, behind it. Like he, he basically didn't think, didn't take trans people seriously, uh, as, as a group. Um, and in response to that, uh, Hannah Gadsby and Zoe Kumsma who are both comedians from the uh, LGBTQIA plus community, came out and said, hey, that's transphobic. We don't want an award that we have both won to be named after someone who's transphobic. And the festival was like, fair enough, and got rid of the name. Now, that's what's happened. Uh, and then obviously, Barry Humphreys dies on the day the award's given out. I think slightly after the award was giving out, uh, given out to Gillian Cosgrove this year, uh, an award no longer bearing his name. And subsequent to that, look, it's going to shock you. I've talked about cancel culture on this before, but people have used that moment for their own political agenda. What? Crazy. Oh, my God. You're telling me left-wing people are using it to be like, yeah, good riddance to a terrible homophobic piece of shit who never did anything for anyone. And right-wing people are like, it's a disgrace. Barry Humphreys is the greatest comedian Australia's ever produced. How could you possibly not have a comedy festival award that I didn't realize existed until right now? Bearing his name. Um, so there was that. There was that general furor. Furor? See, I, I don't like saying furor because it kind of sounds like furor, which is no good. 
There's not going to be any comedy awards called the Muggleton if I keep that shit up. Um, but, 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 that's what's happened. Now, there's been a lot of think pieces, a lot of, look, I'm going to, I'm going to put it out there. Probably not the only Australian comedy podcast discussing this, this particular week, but I, I thought a lot of you might not even be aware this is happening, uh, because as I've said previously, what seems like the thing that the world is talking about on Twitter, in fact, generally no one give a shit about. Speaking of Twitter, we're going to get to that real soon. But that's where we're at. That's where we're at with the thing. And the festival today has kind of done, uh, I wouldn't call it like a groveling post, but I'd call it like, hey, we're sad that he's dead and we would like to honor him in some way. If only we had some kind of award that was named after him, given he was, you know, arguably Australia's most famous comedian for a long time and also personally founded the Melbourne International Comedy Festival in the 70s. Yeah, he founded it. True, that's that's another piece of information that's somewhat crucial. Uh, that's why the award was named after it. But look, as always, with these things, um, he can't say that. That's not good. And let me, let me put it this way. He can say that. Everyone can say whatever the fuck they want. That's 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 life. But there's gonna be there's gonna be consequences if you say it, you know? Um and the one thing with this is that Barry Humphreys was he he was he had an award named after him at an arts festival. And one thing I've learned about arts festivals is you you cannot be outwardly transphobic and then be championed by an arts festival. That just can't happen. That just doesn't work. There are a lot of trans people who participate in the arts. There are a lot of LGBTQIA plus people who participate in the arts. And there's a lot of people who don't belong to those communities, but no trans people who participate in the arts and care about their well-being. So it's just not a great area to say these things. You know, like I think if there was a Australian military award named the Barry, he probably would have got away with it. I think even in sport, I feel like I feel like athletes have probably said, well, ex-athletes, not the current ones, like ex-athletes have said significantly more crook things than Barry Humphreys. And the stadium's still named after them. A, because with the stadium, you got to fucking take the name down and then paint the new name up and like change it all on Google Maps and shit. Whereas this is an easier change. Like it's just, you go on a website, change some letters. I don't think the awards had the Barry written on them. Or if they did, it's like, hey, that's your, that's your award. You can kind of do it with it what you want. Like you just can't, you can't be doing that. You can't have your cake and eat it on that. It's an arts festival. This is not where those remarks are going to be appreciated or swept under the carpet. That's the other thing because, I mean, look, for me, there was, an, there was an error here. And the error here was that we asked someone above the age of 80 what they thought about something. You should never do that. You should never, ever give them the opportunity. Like, they're fucking old. Even if they were heaps progressive during their time, by now, they are conservative. That's just how time works. Like, Barry Humphreys, 
His most famous character is Dame Edna Everidge. That is him cross-dressing, playing a lady. He's done that back in the day. He's, it's a very doled up lady character as well, kind of like a, a superstar type figure. Very loud, very camp outfits. But like that doesn't mean that he's going to be on board with all social change forever, you know? Because that's the thing. A lot of people have been using this as an argument where it's like, it's amazing the same people who hate drag performers are now coming out and defending Barry Humphreys who performed in drag. And I'm like, well... Dame Edna wasn't a drag act. It wasn't like singing and dancing and dick jokes. He was just playing a female character. It was, you know what I mean? I, I, I Look, I'll be honest. My knowledge of drag acts is pretty minimal. Like, I'm not a RuPaul guy. I don't think, I don't think RuPaul minds. I don't think I'm necessarily the target demo for that. Maybe I'll get into it one day. But at the moment ships in the night you know they're going that way i'm going that way i'm like hey i'm glad everyone's getting where they need to go but i just think dame edna is not a drag act and they in of course people are going to be hypocritical in their point of view because they're trying to advance their own agenda like come on come on most of these people don't even care that barry Humphreys is dead they definitely don't care about the name of a fucking melbourne international comedy festival award they just want to put over the cancel culture narrative that they like, you know, that's, that's where they're at. But yeah, like that, that for me is where it, the thing, I think about this sometimes. So there's the Greek God Atlas. That's why books are named atlases. If the Greek God Atlas was actually a person who was like 97 years old and we were like, yo, Atlas, is the earth actually flat? And is like, fuck yeah, brother. I've actually been carrying a cube this entire time. Blah, 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 blah. Like, they would be like, we got to change the name of the book. And it's like, don't. That was such a poor analogy. <laughs> Sorry, I am tired. It has been a long month. But you get what I mean. It's just like, we, we go to old people. To people who like think about your par- your grandparents, like just asking them anything about contemporary culture or like gender politics. Like the best case scenario is they don't know what you're talking about because if they know what you're talking about, they're probably not going to like it. Like my wife's grandfather, who I like and who I think likes me a lot definitely thinks my mustache means i'm gay like a hundred a hundred percent i had to shave it the first time i met him because the whole family were like we want him to like you and if you have a mustache there's no chance that he will and that's not because he's a bad person it's because he's 94 years old like that's it He's they're old. Barry Humphrey's old. This is like a few years ago. I think that means he would have been 81. You just can't you just can't hold people over the age of 80 accountable for things that they say. Things that they do, sure. If they're doing some crook shit, I mean I assume pretty slowly and that don't require them to ascend any stairs, sure. Like maybe they should have some consequences for those actions. But in terms of saying shit, I really do think it's on the journalist. It's on the person who asked that question in the interview and then printed the answer instead of being like, man, 
old mate Barry said some fucking crook shit there. That's such a shame. Here's a national treasure. Maybe I'll just leave that out of the fucking narrative and we can all just keep going on and he can express those views in private to his children and grandchildren who do the exact same thing that we do when we hear someone elder in our family say something stupid, act like it never happened and say, we should see each other more often. All right, we are making absolutely terrific time on the pod today. And before I want to get to some bad advice, I want to talk about Twitter, the verification badge. They've finally got rid of the legacy verification badge this week. It's been very fun to watch play out because old mate Elon Musk, remember when he bought it, we had Tim on. We had Tim on to explain uh, early on episode two, I believe, what Elon would try and do as the CEO of Twitter. And one of those things was drive up revenue. And one of the ways he thought he could do that is by charging people $8 per month for a blue verified tick against their name, which lets them use Twitter blue, which I don't really know what features that has. I assume the bullying is more intense or something. Um, And maybe the pornography is easier to search. I can't be 100% sure. But uh, you also get more prominence. You get like the you get the mark, but like when you comment on something, like your comments are at the top. Like basically, like VIP, the VIP section of Twitter, and celebrities at large have kind of come out and said, "I will not pay that. That's ridiculous. We bring the value to the platform. I'm not paying for that." And so he's got rid of them, and a bunch of celebrities had theirs taken away, and they didn't pay. But some celebrities kept it. And then they had to do this thing where they're like, this is weird. I don't know why I've still got a blue check mark because I certainly didn't pay any money. I think the most prominent one was Stephen King. Um, just kind of being like, I certainly haven't paid this person any money. Uh, I don't know what's going on. I think it must be some kind of glitch. They, I think they started like changing their names. You like change your name and then I get rid of the mark. And then when you, you change it back and whatever. But then the mark will keep appearing, <laughs> basically. So they couldn't escape this verified check mark. Like they're too famous. They're too famous to possibly be unverified, even though they refused to pay the money. And it slowly came out that Elon Musk had decided to pay for certain celebrities himself. <laughs> and Stephen King was one of them. And so, sorry, this is so fucking stupid. So it's just all these celebrities, basically all the best comparison I could think of is children and cooties. And all these children are like, I definitely don't have cooties, but they've got like a big C on their school shirt that stands for cooties. So the kids are like, you've definitely got cooties. And what's worse, you wanted to get cooties. We all said that we didn't want to get cooties, but you got them. And it's just been so funny because like most of these people, are, you know, incredibly famous. So therefore somewhat infinitely wealthy to the point where $8 a month to guarantee that people know your intellectual property is your intellectual property is fine. Like I would get it. Like I wouldn't think you were a sellout or that you liked Elon Musk. I'd be like, Oh yeah. Like you've got 2 million followers. You've got a fucking perfume range or energy drink, or let's be more specific sports bet scenario that you need to push. 
So you're paying the money. Like your business manager's like, yeah. Took, like how many celebrities would make that decision themselves? Like most of them don't even run their own socials. Anyway, so it's just one of those things where they're all coming out to try and be part of the cool club. And then Elon Musk has just kind of decided certain ones are going to retain the tick. So they're like vehemently denying they paid it. He's kind of coming out and said they did it. And in the midst of this, my favorite thing happens which was Charlie Sheen got involved. Now, I have not thought about Charlie Sheen in a fucking long time ever since everyone was saying Tiger Blood and I've only got one speed go and that fucking dubstep remix of it. That's how long ago it was. There was a dubstep remix of the crazy shit he was saying when, you know, he got, he got like coked out. I don't even know if it was coked out. I'm thinking he got iced out on a bit of the old glass barbecue there. And uh, started being very anti-Semitic uh, about the guy who created Two and a Half Men, which, you know, fuck me. The, the good old days of uh, internet controversy. That wasn't even internet controversy, was it? I think it was just life controversy. I think that might have been off Twitter. I think it might have been pre-Twitter. So anyway, Charlie Sheen. Charlie Sheen gets stuck in. Uh, and he says, Dear Elon Musk, tags Elon Musk, I'm so sorry your fancy rocket exploded in spectacular fashion. I'm certain you'll build an even bigger and more explodey one. Now, may I please have my blue check back? It would mean a lot to me. Thank you in advance. Sincerely, C. Sheen. (laughs) I love it. I love it because everyone else is being like, I don't want one. I would never pay for one. Get rid of the one that you've paid for for me. And Charlie Sheen is just like, oi, sorry about your rocket. Like somehow like, you know, little, little icebreaker. Like I'm aware you've got a rocket. I'm aware it exploded. I know that you must need money to build another more explodey rocket. Can I get my check mark back? Doesn't say why. Just says it would mean a lot to him. Like Charlie Sheen, one of the most famous people of the last 40 years, somehow needs his blue check mark to, you know, participate in society online. Like it would mean a lot to him personally. Like the only, the only thing I think of is that like, you know, look, maybe this is, maybe this, maybe this is being too judgmental about Mr. Sheen. Um, oh, I say that, but his fucking cover photo on Twitter is Sheenius. Welcome aboard. <laughs> Fuck me with a copyright symbol on it. I assume, and this goes out to one of the great men, Shane Warne, when he was like, we need to bring out Tinder verified because nobody will believe that Shane Warne is trying to fuck them. (laughs) And I think that is why Charlie Sheen was as well. He's on there. He's scrolling the cam girls and porn star section of Twitter trying to hook up. And no one believes he's the real Charlie Sheen, even though he's at Charlie Sheen. So he's like, Elon, I don't want to pay eight bucks a month, but I still do want to hit it. And I reckon that might be it. I reckon that might be it. And that happened April 22nd. He tweeted the first one. And April 23rd, he said, Oh my, it's like Christmas and my birthday all at once. Elon Musk, I'm flushed with gratitude. Rockstar move, good sir. And he gave him the blue check mark back. And he has not tweeted since. (laughs) I love it. I think it's the funniest thing. I love that Charlie Sheen of all people just coming out being like, give me the mark back. I like it. I want to be verified. Please, Elon, please. You're a kind and a benevolent leader. Love it. Um, But yeah, look, celebrities tripping over themselves to try and have credibility, always very funny. Uh, The fact that it's like, I would never give Elon Musk funny 
Oh, sorry. I would never give Elon Musk money. There it is. There's a slip up of the week. You saw it, folks. If you listen this deep into the app, you got it. You deserve it. A slip of the tongue. I mispronounced. I apologize, and I'll try not to do it again. Um, just, yeah, the idea that they're trying to prove their credibility by being like, I would never give Elon Musk $8 a month when, you know, these are people of immense wealth with business managers. You know for a fact that they've given Elon Musk way more money than that, whether it's when they bought a fucking Tesla because they wanted to seem cool while also being environmentally conscious or fucking buying shares in Tesla, like one of the most traded companies on the stock market. It was absolutely skyrocketing for a bit. Then it exploded, not unlike his rocket. But the business managers are in there, mate. You think eight bucks, like Tesla shares, what are they now? Like 300 US a share? Tesla share price. Let's look it up. Let's do it live. Let's do it live. 159. Holy shit. They are tanking. They used to be a lot higher than that. Yeah, year to date. Yeah, earlier this year, it was 214. Sorry, I haven't really checked into the stock market since I bought at the heart of the market like a fucking idiot. And uh, everything's gone down ever since. I don't want to know. I don't want to know anymore. Um, Yeah, they've bought Tesla shares. Like they've already given Elon Musk money. They've given Elon Musk money to do with it what he thinks is best, which was, ironically, to buy Twitter and make them pay for their fucking verified badge you're losers. You're absolute losers. You think you're above it? I guarantee when Facebook brings it in, you'll be fucking paying for that one because let's be honest, Instagram makes you more money than Twitter and people are less cunty on Instagram. It's Twitter where they'll chase you. Instagram, they'll be like, ah, I get it. You wanted to open a store. Anyway, so what's your new range of perfume? Or should I say mask? Whoa, was that a joke? Did we do one? Do we do a joke on the podcast? What is that musk? That's a smell. That's a perfume. We did it, folks. It's late, but we got it done before the deadline. One more quick break, then bad advice. All right. So this week's bad advice comes to us via Yisrael. Stay a while and listen. Yisrael, uh, a, a regular at my Zoom show with Steve Hofstetter, Ask Us Everything with Steve Hofstetter and Daniel Muggleton. Very fun live show. If you ever find yourself wanting to ask me a question live, or let's be honest, probably more likely to ask Steve Hofstetter a question live, get around that. Um, he said he needs some advice. Uh, just returned from an international trip with my wife and kids, and the kids are massively jet lagged, still on old time zone, seven hours away. Uh, what's your advice to get them back on track? How do I get the kids back on track? All right. Well, Israel, first things first, as you know, as an avid listener of the pod, no children as yet. So not an expert, but hey, what is bad advice? What is worse advice than someone who doesn't know what they're talking about telling someone who probably knows what they're talking about how to live? So strap in. Um, look, getting the kids back on track. I don't think kids need to be that on track. I think they're always uh, either overtired or not tired enough. That's my perception of children. Uh, though, when I did run this by my wife, Mary, she was like, nah, honestly, they're always a mess when they're too tired. So you've got to get them back on track. Whenever you fuck with a kid's routine is when they fall apart. So she, she's backing in, Yisrael, for this one. Um, my advice, 
And this, look, it might not be popular advice, but I think, um, I think it's your fault. It's your fault because of your decisions and you're just going to have to live with it. Because I think jet lag is nature's way of telling you that you shouldn't take your children on any flights that long. <laughs> I'm fine with a kid on a flight in the same time zone. In the same time zone that, you know, not necessarily, but probably means not the longest flight. They're on schedule. They're in the chair. They're going to bed. They're watching the in-flight. When it's sleepy night, night time, when they turn the lights off, the kid goes to bed too. But if you're going international, if you're going seven-hour time zone difference, brother, like you, you had kids. You knew what you were signing up for. You're not allowed to do that with them until they're above the age of 15. I think that's, I think that's it. Actually, look, I'll give you some leeway on that above the age of 13 because I think once you get a teenager stops being a kid and the thing is with a teenager the idea that any teenager has any kind of consistent sleep pattern is so absurd that I think they're jet lag proof I think from the ages of 13 to 18 you're awake when you're awake you're asleep when you're asleep it has nothing to do with the the earth going around the sun it has nothing to do with Greenwich Meridian time, it's just they're on their clock, in which case I think they're fine. But yeah, on this one, they're jet lagged, and that's that's on you, man. You wanted to you wanted to introduce them to a new place. You wanted to take them on a memorable family holiday, and while that is a noble, while that is a noble consideration, like you just need to know that everyone else on that plane resents you for it. And this is karma. <laughs> this is what goes around the world, coming around the world. So I'm sorry that your kids are, kids are acting out. Um, but look, honestly, if they're up at weird hours, give them a crack at any of the episodes of this podcast that I record the day after a comedy festival ends. And I guarantee my soporific monotone will help. It'll, it'll put them not quite to bed, but certainly into a place where you could, you could, you know, chuck them on a couch with a blanket and, and they'll be good. They'll be sorted. I hope that helps. I hope they haven't annoyed you too much. I hope that advice was bad enough for more people to submit some bad advice to dan at danielmuggleton.com.au. Ugh, sloppy. Let's do it again. dan at danielmuggleton.com.au. That's where you give, that's where you shoot your need for advice. And that is where I read it. And think about it for upwards of three minutes uh, and then come back with gold like this that, nah, mate, just stay put. You had kids and knew what I signed up for. Fucking go backpacking when you're young. Stay put. Destination resort holidays until the age of 13. And then fuck it. They're monsters anyway. Who cares how much sleep they've had? Who cares? At least if they're on a different sleep cycle to you, you'll see them less, which sounds like a decent result for both parties. Israel, hope that helps. That's bad advice. All 
All right, that is this week's episode of the Daniel Mogelson Podcast. If you enjoyed listening, take a second to follow, like, subscribe, give it a rating. Give it a rating out of five, hopefully five. I'll take four, but hopefully five uh, on Spotify or iTunes there. Uh, I'll be back this Thursday with another interview. A bunch of great comedians in Sydney for the Sydney Comedy Festival. Uh, So I'll see who I can dig up. Keep the suggestions for guests coming. I'll try and sort those out. And as always, if you'd like to see me live, my dates are at my website, www.danielmuggleton.com.au. I've got a week off. Then the Sydney Comedy Festival run starts on May 3rd. It's a good show. I reckon you're going to dig it. Would love to sell some mega tickets in my hometown. Uh, But that's it. We can talk. We can talk more about it on Thursday. We can talk about it on Thursday. We have plenty to talk about today. We'll talk about it on Thursday. Don't even worry about it. To take us out, it is you guessed it, Vertical.